December 29, 2023. This morning's class is dedicated by Eddie and Sophia Rishti in honor of the birth of their baby girl. The Gemara here in Masechet Bava Kama that we're up to is on Daf Yod Amud Aleph. If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, seven lines up, this third to last word where it says Matkif. If you recall, the context goes as follows in the Gemara. The Mishnah mentioned how there's a situation or situations where an individual might prepare just part of that which will cause damage. I've uh, set forth a partial amount, and nonetheless you'll be liable for full compensation. What's the case that the Mishnah is mysteriously refer- referring to? So the Beraita that the Gemara cited here, some ten lines above where we're going to begin this morning, Tanura Banan, the Beraita said, the cases where in, an individual initially dug a pit, uh, nine tefahim, which at any of those points is liable for compensating for damage, but then uh, this person, who's going to be in turn liable entirely, may, uh, did the final touch, one more tefah, and then an animal falls in there, he's liable entirely both for damages or if the animal were to die for compensating in that situation. The Gemara said, but wait a second, this doesn't accord with the opinion of Rabbi, as Tosafot, as Rashi helped us, the derashot of Rabbi and Chachamim are later on in our Masechet and uh, Dafnun Aleph, uh, because after all, according to Rabbi, that's just not the Halakha. So the Gemara answered in one of two ways, either indeed, it's not like Rabbi, or alternatively, our Mishnah, this is the real answer, our Mishnah might just be talking about Mitah, when the Mishnah mentions that if you prepared partially, you're liable for the full amount. Even Rabbi says in a situation where when the animal then falls into the pit and it dies, the last tefah, the individual who dug that tenth tefah, is liable entirely. The Gemara now, what we're up to, is questioning not that halakha, but why we ended with just one case. Matkiflar bizera vetuleka, question mark, and more there aren't. In other words, the Beraita is pinpointing those broad and sweeping words of our Mishnah. Sometimes you can prepare a partial amount of the potential damage and you're liable for the full amount. The Beraita says, oh, it's the case where it's nine and a tenth tefah, etc. Says the Gemara, says Rabizera, don't you have more? Uh, that's what we're about to get into, and we began yesterday already. Tosafot on the left-hand side here questions, V'im tomar, nihina ikatuba, says Tosafot, indeed, it might be that there are many other cases we can conjure up with our imagination, many parallel situations. It's a rabbinic expression, a ruchla, like a roche, lo telech rachil be'amecha, the Torah says. A ruchla means a peddler. Do you think that the Mishnah and the Beraita are just like uh, peddlers? They're just collecting cases and giving you everything? They're giving you one case and you're supposed to apply it to many others. What type of question is this of Rabbi Zera? and there's not Okay, so there are more. What's your issue per se? You know, the Beraita gave us one case, accept that case, and apply it accordingly to other cases. It's not the responsibility, it's not the methodology of Hachmeh HaMishnah and HaBeraita to mention every single circumstance. They gave you one, apply it accordingly. Answers to Safot, V'yesh lomar mishum didohak, mishum didahik le'ukmeh, matnitin delo kirbi, o kerev papa, ulemita. V'hayaya chol ha'amid benezikin. 
The answer says Tosafot is because our initial approach, that which I just orally reviewed with you, was not the greatest answer. Because what ended up happening was we suggested our Mishnah is either just going according to the Hachamim and not Rabbi, or the Mishnah is really only talking about when the animal died and even according to Rabbi. You want to know why those two approaches are not the most fantastic? First approach says that Rabbi, who's the editor we attribute of the Mishnah, doesn't agree with the Mishnah. He doesn't voice his opinion in this Mishnah to say he doesn't agree with it. A little strange, if I was editing, so to speak, the Mishnayot and I disagreed with it, I might record the primary opinion, but then say, I disagree with it. Why isn't that uh, there, if it's that approach? Or alternatively, why does the Mishnah say that which I prepared in terms of damage, I'm responsible for everything if we're talking about a case of death? That's why the Gemara says we can have sharper answers. We can give examples for the Mishnah, well, you won't need to spin your finger in order to say, well, it's talking about this, but not that, and that. You won't need to do that. That's why the Bizera is asking. So this sort of question could be asked in many situations. We're asking it specifically here because our first approach, which was presented by the Beraita, is dahok. It's a little bit tenuous. It's a little bit strained. It's not the greatest answer. Okay, but that, that being the case, the Gemara now cites for us the Bizera's question, and we'll follow with many others. Vetuleka says Rabizera. Don't you have the following case? Now, the following case, as I mentioned yesterday, Rashi at the bottom of the Amud, the second to last Dibura Matpil, says what we're about to read from is not explicit anywhere in rabbinic uh, thought. You don't have a Mishnah, you don't have a Beraita, which says explicitly what we're about to read. It's a Sevara. It's logically so, is the opinion of Rabbi Zera. And as a result, we're claiming something which we know logically should be or could be the interpretation to our Mishnah. And again, a better one, so to speak, than that Beraita says Tosafot. What's the case? Veha'ika, don't we have? Ika, yesh. Masar shoro lahamisha bene adam. If you handed your animal to be watched by five people, upasha' bo ehad and one of them is negligent. One of them uh, disappears from the scene of guarding it, of safeguarding it. Vihizik, and your animal as a result is, uh, damages another, damages something. Hayab, in such a situation, the person who disappeared from the scene, the individual who was poshea is Hayav. Oh, why don't we have that as the case? He was poshea, he was machshir miksat nisko. He only prepared partially. There were five people guarding it, five people appointed to guard it. Only one person got off the scene, and he's responsible, says Rabbi Zera entirely, says the Gemara, slow down. What's the case? Let me understand it, and then I'll be able to apply it or not. Hechidame, what's the particulars of this situation? Just the last one. We're going on our Mishnah. We're arguing. Our Mishnah says even when you prepare just a bit, you're entirely responsible. It must be this case. You're Hayav, only the one guy who jumps off the scene. But indeed, Mars, the Gemara is going to question, well, what's the case? Find a case where he's entirely hayav and it's some sort of hidush. Says Gemara, hey, let's move forward with this. If you could define for me the case, then I'll understand why this maybe should be in our Mishnah, the situation. Ilema, perhaps the case is, de belav ihu mintar. Maybe the case is that each one of those five individuals appointed to and requested that they safeguard this animal are absolutely necessary. It's clear and objective for everyone to see and to know. If this animal doesn't have five people surrounding it and giving it full guardianship at all times, it's going to damage. So his 
disappearing from the scene, well, that's why he's entirely responsible, says the Gemara Peshita. That's not a Hidush. Well, the Mishnah says, well, let me tell you, sometimes you could only partially prepare the damaging mechanism and you're entirely responsible. This is not the case. This is so simple. If every single one of them is necessary, and this one is the only guy who jumps off the scene, of course he's going to be entirely uh, responsible. He is the one who brought forth the damage. That can't be what the Mishnah was talking about. Ela, so perhaps the case is instead, the case is that all five were requested and appointed to safeguard, to watch over this animal, but even belav ihu, without him, the guy who disappears from the scene, it would still be protected. The assumption, objectively speaking, is you don't need five guys. If that's the case, what did he do? What does it mean, what does he do? So who's liable in such a situation? So if you recall, Rashi, uh, his words are on the next side. So we'll skip there for a moment, come back to the Gemara. Look at Rashi on Daf Yod Amud Bet, and the last word of the wide line, that's four lines from the top. Maika Avid writes Rashi, Ve'eno Hayav Kelum. As a result, in this situation, where the one individual is part of a group of five, but the group of five don't need, per se, this one individual. He, jumping from the scene, shouldn't be Hayav at all. Who would be Hayav in such a situation? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. That's Tosafot's approach. According to Rashi, he's not Hayav. Only the people who were on the uh, guarding scene. Not him. What's that? Hold tight. Hang tight for one second. Uh, maybe, indeed. Uh, but then, you know, be an interesting thing then. Uh, before that, Tosafot now questions Rashi. Tosafot on the right-hand side uh, says uh, uh, on Rashi, they, they disagree. So they don't directly even address Rashi's opinion. They just make clear, Bikulash Ma'atin, throughout this sugya, we're going to have similar statements in different situations of Maika Avid, what did he do? Sarikh Loma, you have to explain, as, uh, as Alan liked a moment ago, it's Tosafot's becoming your people. Maika Avid, uh, The interpretation is not that he should be off the hook. Why would he be off the hook? He was part of the guardianship over here. He's appointed to do so. Everyone instead, it's not that he, everyone should pay a fifth of the charge. In other, hmm? does it, why does that matter? I mean, it, it, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a paid situation, but it's it's pishia. But yeah, okay. I mean, it, it won't it won't per se make a difference. Poshia is poshia. Um, regardless, says 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 Tosafot. So a, a fifth would be paid, and Tosafot even brings a proof from this. You can't and should not argue that this guy who walked off the scene should be exempt. Detanya, because after all, we have a beraita. Perek hapara later on on Dafnun Aleph that teaches the following: Ehad hachokek bor leasara uba acher vihishlimol leesrim uba acher vihishlimol lishloshim kulam hayavim afagab de belav iu avameta. The, 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 the Tosafot cites from later on, the Beraita, which says the following, person number one digs a pit, that's ten tefahim deep. With a depth of ten tefahim, if an animal dies there, what happens? He's liable. The next one comes along and adds another ten tefahim to it. 
What did he do? Well, not that much, but he did deepen the pit more. And then another one comes, and it's yet another ten. It's finished with 30 tefahim. An animal comes, falls in there. What happens in such a situation? They split. All three of them are liable. Says Tosafot, isn't that the same as our sukya? All five people. You didn't need all five of them, but one of them is negligent. He's going to have to be together with the group of five. You don't say, well, you didn't need me anyway. That's the suggestion of Tosafot over here. The question really is how Rashi will explain that bit. I type. Rashi is saying that this guy who jumps from the scene and all the light cases in the Gemara is not liable for anything. How does he explain that Beraita? The explicit Beraita says, even though full damage was prepared beforehand and then you only added on to it or, so to speak, didn't affect it, you're nonetheless a part of it if you were part of the scene, if you added the Ten Tefahim, if you were part of the guardianship, there's a book, it's called Kesota Hoshim. We've mentioned it more than once. It's a commentary. It's one of the most famous and significant commentaries to Hoshim Mishpat, to the fourth section of Shohan Aruch. In Siman Shin Sadi, one of his famous approaches, which many talk about in this context, he cites the Gemara later on, Amdaf Yod Zayin, to not defend, to begin the conversation in Rashi. The Gemara Amdaf Yod Zayin deals with the following situation. What if a person throws off a roof someone else's utensil? He throws the, someone else, I grab your uh, expensive uh, vase and I throw it off my roof. And now standing at the bottom is someone else holding a baseball bat. And when it hits when the bottom, he comes and he smashes it. Is the person who smashes it at the bottom liable for compensation or not? So you might say if we're in line with what we're discussing right here, of course he should be. The halakha is he's not. Or why is he not? Because the halakha is mana tevira tavar. Mana means a utensil. Tevira means broken. Tavar means he broke. In other words, we imagine that that utensil, the second it left my hand in the air, it's already broken. The person at the bottom did absolutely nothing. As a result, that's the comparison maybe for Rashi to our sugya. In our sugya, where that person is not necessary for the scene, he's leaving it with these four individuals, the animal goes and damages, he didn't add to the damaging at all. It was already, so to speak, an already damaged situation. He wasn't a part of it at all. It was like the person with the baseball bat at the bottom. That's in contrast to when I added more ten tefahim. I added ten more tefahim. Over there, I actually added to the mechanism which ultimately speaking caused the damage. Something along those lines has to be developed further in terms of fully understanding the distinction. But that's how Kesota Hoshin starts that conversation. The truth is, along the lines of Judah, Rosh in his comment in his Pesakim to the Gemara, in Siman Het, if I'm not mistaken, makes the following point, and then we'll continue in the Gemara. He distinguishes very briefly, Siman Tet, he, uh, he distinguishes, he says, Ukegon, Shaherim lo sileku atzman, Mishimirat ashor, Keshepasha ha ehad, Velo rasuli shmor yoter, Vekevan shenisharu bishmirat ashor, Vecholin le shomro, Velo ha ehad, Hen hayavim vehu patur. Explains according to, uh, well, the Gemara, he says, The situation when this guy disappears from the scene, as he looks at them, he says, You guys got this? So, yeah, we got this. And he says, you're going you're gonna to take on the burden that we had? Yeah, we didn't need you in the first place. In such a situation, they're liable, and he's not. That's in contrast to, says Tosafot, don't mistake in this, to Judah's point, says, says uh, Roshi, says, Aval, 
im amrulo, if they say, if you're leaving, im encharo selishmor, gamanu misalkim atzmenu, if their response to him as he starts moving away from, oh, if you're leaving, we're leaving also, then of course he's going to be part of the obligation. So Rosh kind of finds a happy medium between Tosafot and Rashi, whereas for Rashi, in the situation where that guy disappears from the scene, he's not at all responsible, irrespective of what the guys who remain did. Uh, Tosafot, he's always responsible for his portion in it. Rosh says it's dependent on the situation. Well, do they? Uh, uh, that's an interesting point. That might have relevancy to the question of kesota hoshim, because since my hands are on it, it's so to speak like digging the pit. That might be something along the lines of what Tosafot and Rashi are disagreeing about. Okay. No, no, no. That was a clever. I don't. I don't know anyone who makes that. Claim. It was a clever application. All right. Says the Gemara. Okay. So the Gemara is stuck. Then the Gemara not stuck. The Gemara quickly disproved or knocked out Rabbi Zera's claim. Again, Rabbi Zera over here was uh, challenging. How come the Biraita only came up with one case for you did partial damage and, or, or you prepared partial damage, you're responsible for all in the nine tefahim and tenth tefah. Uh, you could have come up with this case. Says the Gemara, this case is not a good example. If the situation is that he was necessary and he gets off the scene, he's entirely responsible. If he wasn't necessary, so he's either not responsible or he's less responsible Responsible. At the very least, he's not entirely responsible, says the Gemara. So we dealt with that. Matkif la Rav Sheshat, two lines from the bottom, Rav Sheshat says, okay, so Rabbi Zera's claim wasn't great, but I also, I, I could come up, I'm, I'm also very clever, I have good imagination, I could come up with a case where there's a hova to pay entirely, a responsibility to compensate the full amount, even though you, so to speak, only did partially. Vaha'ika marbe behavila. Uh, the case is, Marbebe Havila will initially explain according to Rashi. We'll just quickly mention Harambam at one point over here. Rashi, again, on the other side, explains to us. No. No, it's just an additional case. Uh, these are all just additional cases that, again, according to the reading of Tosafot, would have been better for explaining the Mishnah this way. Not that the first Beraita is wrong, the Beraita is right. The Beraita just only accords with Hachamim or Rabbi, Lemita, which is a less of a sharp answer. So what's Marbebe Havilot? Says Rashi on Amud Bet in the second narrow line. Shiriba Havilot Zemorot Behadlakashel Havero. Situation is your friend, some friend, is burning a fire. And you walk over and you're Marbeb Havilot, which means you add bundles of, I don't know, wheat or whatever gets the fire going, twigs or something of that sort. As a result of adding, or no as a result, once you added more, then the fire spreads and goes and burns, Gadish al goes and burns someone else's property, damaging their crops or whatever it is that they have. That's the situation. So again, in this circumstance, I didn't do the full amount. My friend started the fire. I added to that fire with my havilah. That's the situation. Uh, in that circumstance, the assumption of Rav Sheshat is that you're hayav entirely. Hechidameh, same question, same issue. What's the exact uh, circumstance? Hechidameh, what's la'azla? If without adding your bundle of wheat, of twigs, the fire wouldn't go, peshita. So then, of course, you're entirely responsible. You don't need a Mishnah to tell me 
that. There was a small little fire. You came and you put a bunch of lighter fluid and the thing went wild. I'm like, of course you're fully responsible. Your friend was just burning his hamit. You turned it into a bonfire. There's no question. And so it says that wouldn't be our Mishnah. And rather, it must be that the fire that your friend already began was already raging. So if that's the case, my kavid, what did you do? What does it mean, what did you do? Are you liable? She would say no. Tosafot would say partially. Okay, that's what we have in the Gemara yet again. It just uh, bears mentioned briefly. Harambam's reading of this case is different. Keep in mind, the word havila means a bundle. It is a little bit uh, surprising. The Gemara talks about adding to the fire by saying, adding bundles. It wouldn't necessarily, maybe you'd say marbebe, I don't know, etzim or something like that. Harambam therefore talks about the situation is that there's an animal which has bundles on it. And your friend has put those bundles on someone else's uh, animal. And you walk over and you place a, another bundle on, him, on that animal, which ultimately speaking brings down the animal, killing it because it has too much weight on it. And as a result, it's a flip in the Gemara. If without him, the animal would be going, meaning it would walk and be alive, then you wouldn't be liable. If without you, they, if, if it's only because of you that it died, so then of course you're entirely responsible. And that's how he reads the Gemara. It's very consistent Harambam's reading with what's to come in just a second. What's that? It's, it's, you have to flip it. Magid Mishneh says it's the flip in the Gemara. Azla means it would be going and living. In that situation, you'd be fully obligated. Right? You have to flip the Girsa and the Gemara according to this. And if Lo Azla means it's going to die only because of you, then you're entirely responsible. That's a, that, it's the difficulty for Harambam. It's also a bit difficult because it's, it's really it's just preempting what's about to come in this Beraita, which is a Beraita. That's a, just a statement of Rav Sheshat. Okay, but anyway, it says the Gemara onward. Veha'ika, excuse me, Matkifla Rav Papa, three lines from the top. Rav Papa has yet another case. This case is perhaps the strongest. I'll tell you why. Rabbi Zera and Rav Sheshat used their imagination. They came up with the case and they said it's probably Hayav. That's their situation. Over here, we're going to have an explicit Beraita. Beraita takes you back some 300 years from the time of the Gemara. It's from the time of the Mishnah. In this Beraita, you're going to have an explicit case which you could disagree with the logic and not understand it, but it's a Beraita. You have to contend with it. It's like saying, I don't understand the Pasuk in the Torah. You're not disagreeing with it. You don't understand it. So earlier, we knocked out the Bizera and Rav Sheshav. We don't understand you? Take a hike. Your case is not good for us. Over here, the Beraita is a Beraita. Uh, if that's the case, maybe that'll be the case in the Mishnah and we have a better match or another match for our Mishnah of you prepared partially, you're responsible entirely. What's the case? Hadetanya, the following Beraita, Hamisha, and it's a little bit, well, we're going to read it just Peshat, and then we'll have to take a step backward uh, afterwards and analyze it from the vantage point of Tosafo to present Mahloket Rashbam, Rabbeinu Azriel, Rabbeinu Tam. Okay, anyway, Hadetanya, Hamisha Shiyashivu al Safsal Ehad. Five men, or whatever, five people, are sitting on a bench owned by someone else. And they didn't, through their weight, break the bench. And another individual comes along. And he sits together with them on it. And he, in turn, breaks the bench. What's the halakha? The final one says the Beraita, that number six guy, he's the one who's liable for compensation. Okay, we got a perfect case. That's five people prepared the initial weight, 
The sixth one puts the final touch on it. Ve'amaraf papa. These are mysterious words in the middle here, which we'll have to return and try to understand better. Rav Papa now says, and keep in mind, Rav Papa was the one who's asking the question, Kigon Papa Bar Abba. Already, this is, you know, I always feel, whenever I think about this line in the Gemara, I say, Hazit. This individual, Papa Bar Abba, is remembered only for this line. Who was he and what was he? Says Rashi, Ba'al Basar Haya. He was, Haya Ba'al Basar, he was fat. That's it. You know, you know, when you, uh, he, he, it's like, you know, you made, you made it into the Gemara, and what do we know about you? You must have said something smart. You must have done something proper. No, you were fat. What's that? <laughs> I'm not familiar. I do know every name that each Masechet might have a new name. The question is if this is a new name. I don't even know if he's one of Chachmei Talmud. It's funny. It's Rav Papa. Anyway, here's a... a what? I don't know nickname. Papa Baraba. No, no, I'm saying he's fat. Rashi says he was obese. I'm sorry, obese, that better. Whatever, I need to be politically correct here. The point is he's overweight. He's a fat man. So they, uh, that's what they came out of. Why did he need to mention that to us? Not really clear. We're going to have to come back to that. Uli. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, we know from elsewhere that he was, he also had, uh, he was a Ba'al Basar as well. And regardless, the Gemara then has uh, set forth for us a Biraita. The Biraita, defined by Rav Papa for some reason, is talking about it sounds like the final person is an obese person. Why that's necessary, we'll have to figure out. But now says the Gemara, the same questions we asked on each of the Emoraim, the rabbis earlier, we'll ask on this Biraita. Hechi dame, the two word question. Question of what's the case? Give me the specifics. Paint the scene for me properly. Ilema, same issue. Ilema, if you'll tell me the belav ihu la itibar, maybe it's belav ihu without him la itibar, it wouldn't break. Taf interchanges with sheen, it would be not nishbar. It wouldn't have broken, Pishita. then it's simple. His weight is what broke it. In other words, if the five people are sitting comfortably and they could sit there from here till tomorrow and till next year and not break it, so then he's... I was just going to say, what if it's a six-man bench? This all has to do with the weight. This all has to do with the weight. I, I pointed that out already. No, 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 it's no problem. I don't know. I'm smiling and saying, I don't know why we needed to say that at this point. Well, we will yet have to read Tosafot to struggle with the significance of that line. Uh, says the Gemara again. So if the case is that specifically and only because of his additional weight it broke, Pashut, it's simple, he's going to be entirely liable. That's just like all our cases. Pause for a moment. Why is that so pashut? I mentioned this yesterday and Rashid repeats it three times. Why is that so simple but our case of nine tefahim and you added the tenth tefah isn't simple? Because, because the five guys didn't break. That's right. The five guys have done... Excellent. Says Morris, the five guys have done nothing. The person's initial fire has done nothing, and so forth, each of the cases. As opposed to the nine tefahim, we appraise that as an already dangerous situation. It's dangerous. It's in place. There's a danger in place that if something falls in there, to the extent that if something falls in there, he's liable for damage, as opposed to all these cases, right? You found that? With five people on it. But in such a situation, you're going to want to put it all on the last guy? That's no. making it better for you? No, he's saying 
was is the is the guy who did the tank like, and then four, five, six is going further. One more time. The nine was already a dangerous situation. The ten, it's already dangerous. Not legal. You're not allowed to dig a pit. That's dangerous. That's not, 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 not dead, but yes, damage. That's the point. So in other words, that's an important point. Jeffrey's pointing out. Jeffrey says, what is and what would be, was it permitted, and that's what we're arguing, obviously, was it permitted for these initial five guys to be sitting on this bench? What Rashi seems to be suggesting, what the Gemara seems to be suggesting, it was okay for all those five guys to be on. That's going to be the debate in Tosafot, is though, were those five initial guys, were they in the right sitting on it? What would happen if those five initial guys broke it? Are they liable or not? The assumption is they wouldn't be liable as opposed to the pit. I got it. Okay, now I understand why you said... I, was, I, I walk into your house and I just sit on your chair uh, with permission entirely and it, it broke. I'm going to be liable for damage? I didn't, uh, what did I do wrong? I, was, I just sat on it. Sixth guy, we're going to have to figure out for some reason and that might have something to do with him being obese. To Joey Levy's question, maybe that's the issue. Maybe he wasn't allowed to sit on it because he was too dangerous for it. The other people, the owner says, yeah, anyone who sits on it, it's not a problem. You're not, it breaks, it's not on you, so to speak. Uh, okay, I mean, we're gonna, we have to, we have to, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, and I, I, I'm sorry to say it like this, but it's the same point. The way Tosafot doesn't articulate as how many people fit on it, they articulate as how obese are the people. Oh, so I, I say, if you my this is a rickety bench. If you're skinny, it's okay. If the bench is a stone bench, it's one thing. But if it's a wood bench, but it has skinny legs, I mean, you look at it along the, along the exact same lines, right? So, so again, so that's what a hundred percent. So that's what Rashi is painting for us already and saying in his reading of the Gemara. Those initial five guys are very different than the nine tefahim of the pit. The nine tefahim of the pit created a dangerous situation. Those initial five guys, our assumption at this point is, did not cause any potential danger to the bed. So you're, you're in the answer of the Gemara. But Charles says, Pinata, he says, Pinata, the initial guys who hit it, brought something upon it. In other words, so, so we're going to have to, we'll, we'll, we'll return to One second. So we're, good question as well. We're going we're gonna to return to all of that as we address this answer in the Gemara. But again, at this point in the Gemara, our assumption is if these five initial guys broke it, it would be considered honest. What's honest? It's out of there. So Judah said, of course they're liable. They're not liable. It's honest. I did nothing. I sat on the chair. You're going to tell me I'm liable? Okay, so it says the Gemara, Ela de belav itbar. Again, so rather the case is, even without him, it would have broken. My kavit. So then what did he do? So again, the Gemara asked the exact same questions on this beraita as we asked on the rabbis before, and Rabbi and Rav Sheshat. This time, though, you can't just say, I don't know what you're talking about. This time, it's a beraita. The beraita says the final guy, the guy number six, is liable for compensation entirely. What's the case? If you're going to tell me it's specifically and only because of his weight, pashut. If you're going to tell me it's not because of his weight, it would have broken anyways, so then the law doesn't make sense. 
Again, I'm just going to have to. So then it's honest, then nobody's liable. So then the halakha doesn't make sense. So then the halakha doesn't. No, those are the words of Rav Papa. Those are the addition to the Beraita. The question is why Rav Papa is doing that. He might be, well, we'll see. He might be answering the question himself. Anyway, says the Gemara Sof Sof, Matnita Hecha which means to say, ultimately speaking, how do you explain this Beraita? Whereas Rav Sheshat, as I said in Abizera, those are the opinions we saw cited in the Gemara earlier. Once we asked these questions, we said, okay, so let's take what you said and push it aside. You can't do that with the Beraita. It's, again, but it's the Torah. You don't understand the Pasuk. You don't just push it aside. Answers the Gemara, and we'll just read the words and suffice with it for now. It must be the cases, Belav Ihu, without him, guy number six, Have Mitbar, it would have broken the bench, Bitresha'e. It anyway would have broken. It just would have taken more time. Uh, something along the lines of Charles. In other words, they're preparing and it's going to open. Vehashta, but now. Itbar behadashai broke within an hour. The Amrele, the initial five guys, turned to this guy number six. at, if not for you, We would have sat a little bit longer and then gotten up in time. In other words, their claim to him is you're entirely liable as opposed to us because we would have gotten up. But significantly, there's a hidush over here because they were in a perilous situation. The fact that they're sitting on it in that moment means that they're kind of, in the words of Charles, they've been hitting this piñata. It's just gonna take a little bit longer until it opens up. One guy comes and he takes a huge, a strong swing. Okay, what happens then? They say, we were gonna pause at a certain point smacking the piñata. We were gonna get off the bench. Now we're making you liable. Okay, we'll have to continue with this next time. Baruch Amen, amen, amen.